never known my husband to cry more than me. <laughs> That's definitely a first. I'm definitely a crier. Love it. You keep crying, babe. Um, so, uh, have we been enjoying this series, Eden Education? Yeah? Are you feeling challenged? Yeah? Ha- raise your hand if God has pointed out something in your life. Oh, great. That was a hand straight up there. I'm proud of you. You own it. Let's own being challenged by God and needing to be changed. I have definitely um, been challenged by God as well. Let me just tell you that it's, when we prepare these series, it's not just you guys that get impacted. I've had a very impactful time preparing this preach. Um, you'll, you'll find out sometimes if you do preach, God likes to take you on the journey when you're preparing the preach. So let me tell you, this preach is not me um, trying to be a clever communicator. This is not me trying to find inspiring words. This is not me just relying on intellect I've pulled out from the Bible. This has been my experience of God challenging me through this Bible passage, okay? What I bring today isn't me like, oh, you need to do this and it's all on you. I've lived this. It's something I've walked through. I just bring it out of a place of experience of I've opened myself up to God challenging me through this and I'm simply bringing what I've walked through. Is that okay this morning? You up for the journey? Because we are going to go on a bit of a journey this morning. Uh, This, there's some stuff to pull out. Um, I'm going to go back to Genesis 4. I want to read the Bible passage straight away so we are, we know it, we know where we're camping in today. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 4 verses 1 to 9. Very familiar, we, we've looked at this story already. Uh, we're going to focus on Cain's journey that he takes today. Oh dear Cain, first murderer in the Bible. <laughs> what a man. <laughs> and we're good, But we're going to learn from him because we can learn something from everyone, okay? We can learn something from everyone. It's not just the good glorified people we need to look at in the Bible because they're not always the ones we identify with all of the time. Um, So we're going to read this Bible passage um, just so you know where it is that we're going to be walking through today uh, and then we'll get started. So Genesis chapter 4 starting in verse 1. First verse. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife. I love how the ESV puts that they slept together. Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. And in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Then Cain went and spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Familiar with this passage? Yep, we know this. We know what happens. Um, I'm just going to pray real quick before I get into my message. Lord Jesus, we We hand this passage over to you this morning and Holy Spirit, I ask that you partner with these words and you partner with me this morning so that your heart, your desire, your wisdom, your voice is spoken out into this place. What you want for the people in this room is heard, taken on board, sown into their hearts, minds and spirits and used so that they might see a change in their worlds and a change in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, some of you uh, may know that Liam and I have a, um, a nephew. <laughs> I was about to say son. We don't have a secret child. I'm not pregnant. No rumors. Like, let's just go. That was really weird. Maybe it's prophetic. <laughs> Mother-in-law is celebrating. Um, that is not true, okay? We have a nephew. Nephew, not a son. Uh, we have a nephew. He is nearly three. He's called Jacob. Um, we love him. We got to hang out with him a bit last night. He's turning into just this brilliant, hilarious, entertaining uh, young boy. Um, but but n- Jacob had this thing that, that he liked to do. And um, a couple months ago, we were hanging out with him. And who knows, kids love to race. They're like, race anything. They'll race you, they'll race cars, they'll race pieces of fruit. Like, they just want to race anything so that they can win. And you let them win because they like to win. And he wanted to race. 
And so he was like, let's race, let's race. And he says my name so hilariously. He's like, Ellen Lee. And I'm like, yes, that's me. <laughs> Say it again. <laughs> um, and he was like, let's race. You wanted to race. And I'm like, cool, yeah, I'm so up for racing, feeling energetic, totally going to let you win, but also going to try my best. And then so I was like, hey, let's go, ready, set, go. And he's like, no. And I was like, what? Like, that's how we start a race, isn't it? Ready, set, go. And he's like, no. And I was like, uh, one, two, three. And he's like, no. And there was a certain thing we had to do to start the race. He turned to me and he was like, looks, and he's like, getting ready. And I'm like, I don't know what's how it's going to start. And he's looking up at me and I'm like, yeah, ready, but when are we starting? And he's like, we've got to go, let's blaze. And I don't know if any of you have kids and they watch this film, but it's from a TV show. I have no idea what it is. But this character, before he has to race, he has to say, let's blaze and then the race can start so I'm like cool let's go so ready set let's blaze and when let's blaze gets said that's it we're off we're racing I'm letting him win but we're racing and then he's off and we're round and he knows that kids can just go round and round and we're just racing round this kitchen island <laughs> and off we've gone but the important thing there is that for Jacob to start the race he needed this phrase let's blaze like that was the thing that was going to get started no other thing was going to start that race. I've got told that story really quickly. I've got out of breath. I also sung really energetically today, so I feel like I've used up a lot of energy. Woo, let's take a deep breath. <sighs> and for, for Jacob to start that race, he had to use the phrase, let's blaze. That kick-started it. Nothing else was going to start it. But when that was said, something got set in motion. Something was started. Something set it off. And that's it. He was gone. He was off racing. There was no turning back. Why am I telling you this story? Why am I telling you about my nephew and blazing to start a race? Well, I think actually we can learn from this story that we all have a moment in our lives and come across moments in our lives when something blazes inside of us that kickstarts us down a journey into sinful behavior. Actually, the blaze that we feel sometimes ignites us into a motion that sends us down a path we shouldn't be walking down. And actually, we can see this in this passage. I didn't just pull this word out of nowhere. When you actually look at this passage where it says Cain was very angry when God wasn't pleased with his offering, the actual original Hebrew word for that is this word called chara, which is really fun to say. Say it, chara. Chara. <laughs> Sounds hilarious. There's this word. And actually, this word means to blaze up. When Cain got angry, he blazed up. It means to be kindled. Something started to burn within him that kick-started him down a path towards murdering his brother. But it started with a blaze. It started with something igniting within him, being kindled within him. And I think that we can all have these moments in life. I think we can all identify with when someone does something that you don't like, something begins to blaze within you. Yeah? Can we all be on the same page here? I've definitely been there. When something, someone does something you don't like, something gets changed that you don't like, someone offends you, someone treats you how you think they shouldn't, someone gets something that you want, something blazes within you. Something begins to burn within you. You get a sense of something's kindling that I'm not quite sure what it's going to do. And today, I want us to look at the process that Cain went on that started with a blaze, but that ended in murder. And actually, we all start with a blaze and end in a sinful act or behavior. And there's a process that actually takes Cain towards that moment of murdering his brother. He let the blaze get out of control so that it led to that place. You see, I don't think that Cain woke up that morning. I mean, I don't know, it doesn't say, I'm just gonna use my initiative. But I don't think Cain woke up that morning say, hmm, I think I'm gonna murder my brother today. I don't think over his tea and toast he was like, hmm, I'm going to take him out in a field and strike him down. I don't think that was his first thought when he got up in the morning. Something ignited within him that led him down the path to that. You see, I don't think that we genuinely wake up in the morning and we go, 
hey, I'm going to gossip about that person later on today. Or, hey, I'm going to shout at my spouse later in anger. Or, hey, I'm going to drink too much later and get a bit drunk. Or, hey, I'm going to give in to my lust later and do this act and watch something I shouldn't. I don't think we wake up and that's what we plan to do in our heads. Just like Cain, I don't think he woke up and immediately his first plan was to murder his brother. But something started in him and began to blaze in him that led him down the path to murdering his brother. And today we can learn from Cain. We can learn from this this poor wayward fellow in the Bible about the process that I think all of us go on and we can see in our human experience that takes us from a place of feeling ablaze to then walking down the path to then being caught in sinful behavior. And I want us to realize something today because you might think, yeah, come on, Emily, I'm not blazing and then like two hours later I'm going to murder someone. But I want us to realize that I think there are some sinful behaviors that have crept into our culture and society as a church that we just say are okay now. And we just kind of let slide and we think they're all right, but they're not. They're still sinful. Hey, they're still on the same page as murder. Murder might seem more extreme and treated more extreme. Gossip is just from the same place of hate as murder is. Hey, when we speak negatively about people, it's from the same hateful place within our hearts. It's from the same place of not being willing to live a life fully obedient to the way that God has asked us to live our life. It's from the same place. I want us to realize and be open. Hey, actually, where are my sinful behaviors today? Where have I walked down the path so now I'm in this place and I'm walking in these sinful behaviors? Let's be open. Can we be open today? Can we please just be open to just being willing to being challenged and having some things that that we've maybe got into a routine of doing being snapped off of us and saying, hey, I want to set you free from that today. It's not actually how I want you to live your life as a child of mine. I've got better things ahead for you. So we're going to learn from Cain. We're going to learn there's three, well, it's kind of two processes that happens before he actually commits a murder. We're going to look at that process. So my heart and my desire and my hope is that you can then see that process for yourself in your own life. What it actually looks like for you to get to a place from it being something that just blazes within you to then you walking it out in a certain behavior or action or pattern in your life. What actually journey do you take so that you're there? And then when we've looked at that, we're going to look at how we can walk back through it and how God can help us to then turn the other way so that he can send us on a different route so that we don't have to walk down this path towards these sinful behaviors. So there's three ways in which Cain ends up down this path to committing murder. And the first one is the blaze ignites, as we've already spoken about, the blaze ignites. You see, Cain was offended and Cain was jealous at how God responded to Abel's offering and not his. Something ignited within him. A feeling began to stir within him and something blazed in him and it says his face fell. And I wonder for you this morning, what conversations, circumstances, moments do you find yourself in where your face falls? Is it when someone gets ahead of you and they get what you want and your face falls because you're like, I wanted that? Or someone changes something that you actually quite like, but is now different. And you're like, your face falls because you're like, oh, now I've got to go with this. Where does your face fall in your life? Where are those moments where you feel something begin to blaze and rise within you? And we'll ask you this question. When something happens that you don't like, how do you respond? What begins to rise in you? Because that's the blaze igniting. That's something that if you don't take care of will lead you down a path to doing something else. What is that thing that rises in you? And it's not just um, this blaze of hate that, that I'm talking about this morning. You see, something could happen that you don't like. And actually, for you, your kind of default is maybe greed that rises in you. Because, you know, if you just go after what you want and you're greedy with something, that will actually satisfy you and help distract you from the thing that you didn't like happening. 
Or maybe something happens you don't like and you're like, well, I've got this urge and this desire and actually I know if I just satisfy this further down the line then it will make me forget about the thing that happened that I don't like. So it's not just hate, it's not just jealousy. It's all these different things. Each of us will be different because we're wired differently. So each of you will be different as to what will blaze within you when something happens that you don't like. And I'm going to use the example of getting to a place of gossip today. Just because I feel God really wants to challenge that um, in us, I think it it can be a really sneaky way that that the enemy can lead us down a path and and actually get us in a place where we're talking negatively about people instead of uh, positively about them. And I think it's useful for us. I mean, I know from when I worked in uh, the secular workplace, like gossip was rife, like I always hear people say in their workplaces, gossip is like, you know, people just default to it straight away. And so I'd love us to just highlight it today and actually um, be aware that in in Matthew, Jesus says, uh, I'm going to read what he says from the Passion Translation, but basically he's saying, uh, if you hold anger in your hearts towards a fellow believer, you are subject to judgment in the same way as people were judged for murder in the Old Testament. And whoever demeans and insults a fellow believer is answerable as well. So it's the same, it's on the same thing. Actually, if we hold that kind of hatred and that anger and that insult in our hearts towards other people, it's on the same page in Jesus' eyes. And so I'm just going to use the example of getting to a place where you're actually then gossiping about someone just so you can see the journey. But apply it to anything in your life. Apply it to your example. You see, maybe... um, to get to a place of gossip, the blaze initially ignites um, because they maybe someone doesn't speak to you as nicely as you'd like them to. Or maybe they offend you, or maybe they're just different to you, or maybe they just um, they do something that, that you don't like. And something begins to blaze in you towards that person. They've made you feel something. You're like, hey, I'm not sure about what they just did, and, and something's beginning to blaze in me. And that's the blaze igniting for you on your path towards gossiping. You're not there yet. You could change and turn around so that you don't end up gossiping, but the blaze has ignited. That's the first step that Cain takes, something ignites in him. But then secondly, the blaze blinds Cain. The blaze blinds Cain. You see, God actually gives Cain a solution. God actually comes alongside Cain when he's very angry, when the blaze is ignited, when you're feeling this this feeling, when you're feeling a bit hateful or a bit jealous or a bit greedy or a bit lustful, you're feeling whatever has kindled within you, God actually comes beside Cain and gives him a solution. He takes time with him and shows him another way. He has a conversation with him. He says, hey, if you just do the good, the right thing, then you could turn the other way and it would all be okay and you could rule over sin. But what does Cain do? He just seemingly ignores God's advice. He just ignores God's advice. You see, Cain has got to a place where his jealousy and his hatred is so all-consuming now, he's let it rise in him so much that it's like this, this red fog, this red smoke. And he is now blinded to being even able to listen to godly advice in his life to set him on a new path. You see, the blaze that that rose in Cain has blinded him, blinded him so much that he's now walking down a different path towards murder. He ignores the godly advice spoken to him. That's Cain's next step on his way to murder. Hey, like in the gossip example, someone's done something you don't like. Someone's spoken to you not very nicely. Someone's maybe slightly offended you. So you're feeling that blaze. But maybe someone's with you, a friend, and they say, oh, you know, they encourage you to, to move past it. Forgive that person. Hey, let's, let's try and show them love. Or maybe God even whispers to you and says, I don't want you to gossip about them or I want you to try and forgive them. I want you to bear with them in love as I've asked you to do in the Bible. But something within you doesn't feel like that's a satisfactory solution to how you've been made to feel by that person. That is what I think happens. That person has made me feel this blaze and actually to just let it go doesn't feel justified to me. Doesn't feel like I then get to make them feel how they made me feel. So you're blinded. 
And so you've been made to feel that way by this person and you're blinded and here you are taking this step, not listening, ignoring godly advice because you've let it build and rise in you so much you feel you need to take things into your own hand to get a solution that feels justified to how you've been made to feel. You are blinded by the blaze that has risen within you. So Cain, the blaze has ignited The blaze has blinded him. And then the blaze acts. The blaze acts. And that is when we get to this point where Cain is now so fueled by that initial blaze of hate and jealousy that he takes a physical action to deal with that feeling and he murders his brother. You see, what started as a blaze in him has now worked itself out in his life to a physical, external representation of what was going on internally. Let's go back to the gossip example. Now you are so fueled by dislike, discord towards what that person did to you or has done, and you have been blinded so much by it, you let it risen in you so much, internally you're bubbling, that, that discord, that dislike has kindled in you so much that now externally you're talking negatively about them behind their back. It's an external representation of what you have allowed to build in you internally. When we walk down this path, it's just this process. Can, can you see the process? Do you understand? Are you with me? Because I need you to understand it. How he, he, it started with just a blaze of a feeling. He let that build in him, consume him, blind him so that listening to godly advice wasn't an option. Taking things into his own hands seemed the only solution. And then based out of that place when it had built in him so much and been fueled in him so much, an external representation had to come of what he'd allowed to build in him internally. Do you understand and see that process? And I think in our lives, we will constantly have moments where a blaze will be ignited in us. Because we live in a fallen, broken, sinful, not perfect world, you are always going to encounter people in that way. There are always going to be people who might trigger something off in you, who might trigger a blaze to start rising in you. But I want to say to you this morning that you have a choice when it comes to what you do with that blaze. You have a choice. You do not have to walk down the path that leads to an external representation of that internal feeling. You do not have to walk down that path that leads to a sinful behavior. You can change it. We don't have to walk down that path. Hey, There are points we can look at where Cain could have turned the other way. He could have done a 180 and not walked down that path towards murdering his brother. And I want to encourage you this morning. I want you to be up for changing our our process of how we get to a point where we are now walking in a way that is just not obedient to how God has asked us to live our lives. Because that's what this is about. It's about us looking at our lives and where in it. Are we not actually just being obedient to how God has asked us to live our life as believers of him? So, we've looked at the process. And you get the process, just like, give me a thumbs up, nod, no, if you get it, good. You're with me, glad. Because that needed to come across, otherwise nothing else makes sense. So we've looked at the process. And now how can we work with the Holy Spirit in each stage of that process? So that actually no matter because there, be, there might be a point where you, you, you've gone down the path and without realizing it, now you're in the sinful behavior and you're stuck there. That's okay. I want us to realize that at each stage, there's a turning point. There's a moment we can take with Jesus and the Holy Spirit to take that 180 and walk back up that path away from sinful behavior. And I, w- I want us to start at the external. I want us to start at the point where Cain Cain chose to murder his brother and walk back through that process. So we see at each stage how it is that we can change and shift our mindset. And I want to encourage you this morning that, that it will start with an external, but it has to move into the internal. You see, what I really don't want you to think about this morning is that it's just about external behavior modification, because it's not. 
If you just go about in your own will, strength, trying to just change your behavior, look like you're doing the right thing, and never move to what is going on internally within you, you will never see the change in freedom that you could if you work on the internal and just focus on the external. It is not about external, external behavior modification this morning. It's about starting there. For sure, we can start there. Hey, if you're stuck in a sinful behavior pattern this morning, it's okay. There's grace for you. There's forgiveness. There's redemption. There's freedom. There's a new start. There's new mercies. But don't stay there. Don't just start there and stay there. Start there, yes, by all means. But keep going. Work backwards. Work inwards once you've done, dealt with the outwards. So we're going to start at the external. And actually, we're going to look at the questions that God asks Cain to find out how it is that we can make these changes, to find out how it is that we can then take, we can then work with the Holy Spirit, because this isn't our own strengths, remember, we absolutely need to partner with the Holy Spirit if we're going to see transformational change in our lives, how we can partner with him to make the changes at each of those stages so that we're not living in a life trapped and paths and trapped on pathways that just keep leading us down to sinful behaviors. So the first question we're going to look at that God asks is when Cain has murdered his brother. So he's, he's been caught. He's, he's walked fully down the path. He's now walked out that sinful behavior. And God says to him, where is your brother? He says, where is your brother? When you have been, you've walked down this path and you've got to a place where you've acted in, in a sinful way and you've got caught in a sinful behavior and, and you've done something that isn't obedient to a way that God has asked you to live your life, just accept that you've done something wrong. Just accept that you've done something wrong. Please just be open and willing to own up when you know you've got to that place. Don't be like Cain, who when God asks this question, where is your brother? He pretends to not know where his brother is. He actually behaves in quite an insolent way, I think, in quite a petty way. God says to him, where is your brother? And he's like, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And I think we can sometimes have that attitude when, when someone comes alongside us and say, hey, where's this thing in you? And you're like, oh, well, they hurt me. They offended me. It was their fault. They made me feel this. They did something wrong. I didn't like what they did, so I'm justified in this behavior. I think we can have that attitude sometimes. We go on the defensive because it's more painful and, and, and it's also way more humbling to just admit you did something wrong. To just admit, actually, yeah, I, I gave in to anger and I shouted at that person and I was unforgiving towards them. Actually, yeah, I, I gave in to my insecurity and my jealousy and I gossiped about that person. Oh, I, I gave in to my, my greed and, and I got that thing that I probably shouldn't have or I gave in to my lust and I watched that thing I probably shouldn't have. It's way more humbling to just hold your hands up and say, I, I did something wrong. Just accept it. We're not perfect. Just be willing and open to quickly recognize when you've actually got into that place. I've really learned this in our humble nearly two years of marriage, that it's actually really good when you know you've done something wrong to just own up to it quickly to the other spouse. And I hope Liam could testify that I'm pretty good at doing this. <laughs> when I know I've done something wrong and it's all me, I can feel the tendency in me to get defensive and be like, hey, well, you didn't do what you said you do, or you didn't treat me this way, or you, didn't, you weren't too, as affectionate towards me, or you didn't love me how I wanted you to. I can feel that defensive spirit rising in me, and actually I then recognize the Holy Spirit saying, hey, but you did this too. You actually got something wrong here. And you know what brings reconciliation quicker than anything is just owning up quickly to what you did wrong. Just accept that sometimes you're walking in a sinful behavior and you need to own up to it. But what I also love about this question that God asked Cain, he says, where is your brother? It points us to something about God, that he is actually looking for a willing heart in you to be changed. 
He's looking for people that even when they've got to that place where they're acting sinfully, they're walking in sinful behavior, you're trapped in a way that you shouldn't be trapped in. Even then, he's just looking for a heart that's willing to be corrected, disciplined, and is open to being changed. Because he doesn't say to Cain, why did you kill him? He full well knows that Abel is dead in the ground. But God says to him, where is your brother? He's looking to your heart. You see, if we go back to the gossip example, God isn't necessarily going to be saying to you, why did you gossip? He's going to be saying to you, hey, where is your love for that brother or sister? Where is your forgiveness for them? Where is your self-control in this situation? You see, he'll ask you about the very thing that you just killed through carrying out that action. Do you see that? You see, gossiping kills love and forgiveness towards your brother or sister. Giving into lust or greed kills self-control when you, when you walk out in it. God will come alongside you and he'll say, I want to look at your heart, so I'm going to look at actually, where's love gone in you? Where's your forgiveness? Where's your self-control here, daughter or son? He's going to look at your heart. So just be open. When God asks, when you feel that prod and that challenge, just admit fault. Be quick to realize you've gone wrong. Don't be insolent and blind like Cain was towards your mistakes. Have an open and willing heart to be changed in that moment. So this is the first one. Except when you've done something wrong, he asks, where is your brother? Then if we move back through the story, so that's if, you know, you've got to that place and you need to start right at that bit where you know there's a sinful behavior that you've got to. But how about this middle ground, this moment where it says the blaze blinds Cain, yeah, where he ignores this godly advice. In this conversation, God says to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? Why are you angry and why has your face fallen? You see here, I think God wants us when we're in that middle ground to just be honest about what's behind it. You see, imagine, just imagine for a moment, give me some poetic license here. Imagine if Cain had chosen honesty and vulnerability in this moment instead of ignorance and blindness to God. And God comes alongside him and he says, hey, why, why are you angry? Why has your face fallen? And just imagine if Cain had taken a moment to stop and say, oh, well... Hey God, actually, I was, I was angry and, and I was down because, you know, actually, if I'm being honest, I, I was jealous of how, how you responded to Abel's offering and not mine. I was jealous of it. I, I was annoyed that, that that's how you responded to him. Imagine if Cain had taken a moment to just pause and answer God instead of ignoring him. And in this moment, I think we can all identify with it. When something has blazed, kindled within us, where we feel that, that jealousy burn, that insecurity, that pride, that dislike, that discord, that lust, that greed, whatever it is, it's bubbled in you and you're sat in this tension middle ground. You haven't yet acted on it, but you're in it. You're in it and you're feeling it. Can you identify that moment when you feel these things rise in you and you're like, what do I do with it? Where do I go with it? I'm feeling it, but I haven't acted on it, but I feel like I'm down the path, but I'm feeling this thing and I need to do something with it because I don't know how it's going to come out. Please, in that moment, take a second, take a minute to just look at the why behind your feeling. Because if Cain had stopped with God, if he'd taken the moment to answer God's question, it would have taken the strength out of the blaze. I think it would have calmed him right down. You see, if you take a moment to just answer that why question and just be honest with God, it, it calms you down for a moment. It actually gets you focusing on something else instead of the blaze that's rising in you. So when you feel Maybe that lust rise within you and you're feeling it and, it and it's building within you and something's kindled, but you haven't yet acted on it. 
but you know that that feels like the pathway you're about to walk down? What about if you feel God's voice come to you and say, hey, why are you, why are you struggling with lust here? Why are you feeling lustful? And what if instead of ignoring it and giving into it, you went, well, actually, I think it's to do with me feeling insecure about some stuff, and I feel like this fills a void in my life. Or when you, you're about to, you, let's go back to the gossip example, that, that dislike, that discord, that, that feeling of, of anger towards someone has risen within you. What if you took a moment to, to hear God say to you, hey, daughter, hey, son, why are you angry at that person? Why did what they did make you feel this way? Why has that action offended you? Why has that thing brought this up in you? What if you went, oh, well, actually, that, that prodded at some insecurity, insecurity in me that I don't think I've properly dealt with? Or actually, that, that highlighted some pride in me that I didn't want to face, and it just felt easier to walk down the path and gossip about that person instead of face the pain that was within me. If you take a moment to just address the why behind your feelings, those things that rise, the blaze that rise within you, it slows it right down. And you need the Holy Spirit for that moment. Because your, your will will send you down the path to acting on it. That moment, you need to just take a second, say, Holy Spirit, help me to answer the why behind this feeling right now. And I can honestly testify to this being so helpful. I have gone on a massive journey with insecurity, three years worth now of God digging and digging and digging and digging within me to pull out the root of the insecurity that had settled in my heart. And I can tell you that when I have felt that insecurity rise in me, that I know if I let bubble more and blaze and I kept within me and I let it just kindle and burn, I would end up doing something that was not obedient to how God had asked me to live my life. I would get angry at someone. I would act jealously towards someone. I would think not very nicely about someone. I would snap at someone. I'd shout at them. I wouldn't be kind in my words. I have learned that when that feeling rises in me, if I pause with the Holy Spirit, if I pause and just ask why, it turns me 180. It, it stops me from walking down that path. It cuts off the temptation to, to get to the place that you think is going to make you feel better and it actually addresses the root cause of the problem that's ignited that blaze in the first place. So take a moment when those feelings rise. Pause. Ask why. Why is this feeling rising in me? What is behind this? Why am I feeling this way? And the last question. In this passage... Uh, it's an unspoken one, but it is definitely something that God asks of us. And it's the ask of obedience. Now, you see, if we really go back to the root of what happened with Cain, you see, we, we started with this blaze that, that rose within him. He got angry, right? He got angry and his face fell and, and that was the blaze. But what handed him the match for that blaze to start? Where did that actually come from within him? And actually, I think there was something within Cain, there was something within his heart that was not truly, fully willing to be fully submitted and surrendered and obedient to how God had asked him to live his life and to the way he had asked him to live his life. You see, there was this whole thing in the start of this passage about first fruits in the offering. And actually, Cain brought some of his fruits, whereas Abel bought the firstborn of his livestock. And there is something within Cain that wasn't fully willing to be all sold out to living the way that God had asked him to live his life and bring his first to him. There was something in him that wasn't fully surrendered and sub submitted to being fully obedient to God. And you see, for us in our lives, that's not an unspoken ask. Jesus asked us, he says in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. 
he talks to us about obeying how he has asked us to live our lives. And I don't think we like that word because it feels strict and it feels religious. But actually, it doesn't come from a place of that's how we get our salvation. It comes from a place because of our salvation. Hey, because I got saved, because of all Jesus has done for me, what can I offer but a life of obedience to him? That is what he asks of us. And that is what I think the root cause is. If we go truly back, is that Cain wasn't willing. There was something off in his spirit and his heart that couldn't fully surrender and submit to a life of obedience to how God had asked him to live his life. And I think that's something that you and I need to constantly look at in ourselves, constantly look at areas. Actually, am I, am I truly willing? Am I actually truly willing to fully surrender my life? Even if I like that thing, even if I think I deserve that possession, even if I like my car, am I fully surrendered to, to be completely obedient to how God has asked me to live my life, even if it means giving up stuff that I like, even if it means making changes that make me feel uncomfortable, even if it means doing something that I'm not quite sure about? Am I truly willing to live that kind of life of obedience to how God has asked me to live? Or is there stuff in me that is not surrendered to that way of living yet? Where in our hearts are we not fully surrendered to full obedience to Jesus Christ? That pride, that jealousy, that insecurity, that greed, that lust is all an indication that there's something in your heart that is not submitted to the way that Jesus wants you to live your life. It is an important thing that you and I need to keep addressing within ourselves. And finally, this ask of obedience for our lives. Yep. <laughs> Just ignore it, it's fine. This ask of obedience for our lives. Are you st can you stay focused on me? Don't get distracted right now. Because that's what he'll want to do. He'll want to send you off and not hear this landing point. This ask of obedience for your life. This ask to look at where you need to make a change. And you need to address your processes of how you end up living in sinful behavior and living in ways that is not obedient to how Christ has asked you to live your life is vitally important because one, it will just mean the best way of life for you and it will bring out the best that God has in you. But secondly, actually, this is about other people. This is about the effect that your life has on others around you. You see, your decisions, how you live your life impacts those around you, either positively or negatively. How you choose to live your life, how you choose to deal with this stuff, how you choose to take this whole series, Eden Education, and actually decide if there's stuff in your life that needs to be changed. If you do this work, it has an impact on the people around you. And that can be positive, but it can be negative. You see, if you follow Cain's path and you allow yourself, you allow the blaze to burn, to blind you, to consume you, to dictate your actions and behaviors, you sometimes end up really hurting other people. You sometimes end up leaving, leaving a little bit of a path of destruction. You know, one of the hardest things I've had to hear from my husband is that when I gave in to in the blaze of insecurity and acted on that feeling, I actually hurt him. It didn't, sorry. How we live our lives has an impact on people. And honestly, it breaks my heart sometimes because I see some of us and we've gone down that path and the blaze has got us and we're so trapped in it. We're so consumed by it. We're so desperate to feel like we need to make the correction. We need to do something that feels like our feelings get justified. That is a lie. And we end up hurting others without even realizing it. 
You see, down the path of Cain, it led to her. It led to pain and still then after for Cain in his life going forward. See, and after that, it says God marks Cain, which yes, that keeps him from other people killing him, but it is a constant reminder of what he did. Cain then lives with a constant mark on him that says, hey, you murdered your brother. You see, your pain will follow you. There are consequences to walking down this path and living out a life that is not obedient to Jesus, to yourself and to others around you. I need us to be aware of that. This isn't just about you feeling good and doing what you think to justify your feelings. There are wider consequences to your actions. But let's look at the positive. Hey, if you followed God's promptings, if at each stage of that journey, you actually reach out to the Holy Spirit, when you feel that jealousy, that pride, that greed, that lust, that dislike, whatever it is for you, and you reach out to the Holy Spirit and you say, whoa, here, help me here. I think there's something in my life I haven't fully submitted to a life of obedience to you help me or maybe you've got to the next point and you've allowed it to kind of blind you hey reach out to the holy spirit still then there's still hope then to turn 180 and say what's the why behind this pause with him work out why it is you're acting that way don't just give into it and even still further Mm -hmm. down the line if you've if you've given into it and you've done that that sinful behavior and you you've given into to your desires and that blaze hey there's still hope here don't think you're lost don't think you have to stay in these behaviors that you've been walking in for years you don't you don't have to stay in them there is still a way out for you say hey I got it wrong Jesus please let me receive your forgiveness help me help me to turn the other way help me to walk back through this process address the why and then address the disobedience that was in my heart originally there's hope for you along all of those stages if you choose to do it and I wrote this down that God said to me yesterday that I feel he wanted to land with this message as to why this is vital and crucial that you do this work within yourself is that there are ripples waiting to be made out of you choosing to live a life of obedience to Jesus. You know, when you throw a stone into water and the ripples that come out from it, these ripples create waves and spaces where others might just see Jesus, reach out and give their lives to him. And isn't that what we want? Don't you want your life to attract people to Jesus? Not attract people to giving into their desires, their will, their human flesh, their pride, their jealousy, their whatever. Don't you want your life to attract people to Jesus? Don't you want your actions to make people wonder, wow, that's different. That person seems at peace. Or, oh, that person owned up really quickly to when they got something wrong. They didn't just stew in it and carry on doing it. Even if you're there, there's still a way to deal with it that shows Jesus to the rest of the world. How you live your life has consequences on others. And I really hope and pray that your desire is to live a life to do the internal work. That means you then become so much more of a representation of Jesus to those around you, that the ripples that you create just have Jesus encounters wherever you go because you've done this work, because you've chosen to be honest and vulnerable and realize when you've, you've messed up and you've got things wrong and there's stuff in you that is not obedient to how God has asked you to live your life. I'd love if you will just close your eyes for a second. And I'd actually love the words that have just been spoken to just stew in you. 
It's a weird phrase, but when you stew something, you let it just bubble. You let it just sink in. You let it absorb things. I'd love for you now to just stew on the message you've heard. Holy Spirit, we release you to speak and point out in in these people what it is that you want to say to them today. I feel like Jesus wants to set people free today. He feels so true.